0: my name is Sonal Prakash, and this is The Discourse, a series of episodes where I dive into and tackle the most relevant topics within the school system and the county. In today's episode, I'm here with Chair Phyllis Randall, the chair for Loudoun County. And if you haven't already checked out my last episode, which is actually the first part of our conversation, make sure you do that before you watch this one. Today, we're going to be talking about a variety of different issues within the county, and I wanted to kind of pick up our conversation we last left off. I wanted to know, talking about a little bit more about education, a lot of these schools like AOS, there was a problem with accepting Students of multiple races. Mm-hmm. And there was not a lot of African-American mm-hmm. people being admitted into the um, the Loudoun Academies. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know what was your view on that or if you had any thoughts on that.
1: You know. Again, my, I raised two sons in our school system, and I remember when my uh, youngest son was leaving elementary school and going to middle school, and the teacher sent home the recommendations for his middle school years. And although Aaron had straight A's in his elementary school, when she sent his recommendations home, she did not recommend one honors course, not one. So my husband and I went to the school and we said, "Aaron has straight A's. Why wouldn't you recommend one honors course? And she said something that just floored us. She said, well, we know Aaron's really busy and we know he plays sports and we don't want to over, I don't want to overwhelm him. And my husband and I looked at her and said, how about this? How about you? You know that you can always academically challenge our child and we will academically challenge our child. So we're going to change this and we're going to put him in honors classes. And then we did. I think we put him in three or four in middle school, and he did fine with them. I I tell that story to say this. It is so important for um, all kids, all kids, to be uh, challenged to their academic abilities in elementary school and in and in middle school so by the time they get to the high school levels they are ready and to to assume that our kids the kids of color cannot um compete at those at the high school level it, it is sometimes because they you know they were underestimated when they were in elementary school and little in middle school you don't you don't you can't my both of my children um, came out of school with an advanced diploma one of them was in the national Honor society that doesn't happen when you hit high school that happens in elementary school and middle school, and if if, if they're not adequately challenged, then that won't happen. Um- and so I am. I am concerned about the the, the low number of um, um, uh, Latin Latin uh, kids, Latinx kids, and African American kids in the academies of Loudon. But I am equally concerned about what's happening before they ever even make application to the academies of Loudoun and what they're being prepared for, and what's being expected of them, or not expected of them when they're in elementary school and middle school.
0: Yeah, I think there are a lot of stigmas surrounding certain again genders and races in, in, it, there are, in, in the yeah. school system, even. Just like in general, like even like small things within just like, like classmates, like talking about classmates um, as an Indian person, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, the Indian people, they're the smart ones. They're going to get all A. they have to be an all honest class. They have to be in everything. Right. And then right. as soon as someone kind of falls out of that kind stereotype, of stereotype yeah. as soon as they kind of falter within that line, then everyone's like, oh, my God, what? How right. does that? Why, yeah. why are they doing yeah. that? Or um, yeah. And I think that works. It within with everything right. every single type of background and diversity I and I think that unless we try and keep encouraging these get to these, break down those walls yeah break, and down, to the break walls. down the
1: stereotype it's also why you know parents have to stay really involved in their kids school because you know when that happened with my son when he bought home the recommendations and there was no honors courses in there I have been so involved in my school system I've been a class mom and so I knew that a teacher's recommendations were not the final say the parents have the have the final say. The parents have the power over their kids' curriculum, and so I knew that I had the power to go to that school and change it. And not all parents know that. Some parents believe that. In fact, many parents believe that whatever a teacher sends home, that has to be the final say. So when that teacher said to us, "Well, we don't want to overwhelm him," I mean, my husband and I were just like, "You've you got to be kidding me with this!" You know, he has he has all A's. He has all A's. And so um, it's just important for to push our kids um, to to the levels possible. You know, I don't often quote George W. Bush, but. I <laughs> but I will quote him here when he says that there is a, a prejudice of low expectations that sometimes kids of color experience. Um, and if you don't expect more of, of a young person, some kids will do it no matter if you expect it or not and push them. And some kids won't. So the prejudice of a discrimination of low expectation can be very damaging. And that's what was happening with my son at that moment. And that's what I think happens with a lot of our kids. And then, and then so when it's time to enter high school, they may not be as prepared because they weren't given the chance to to shine in elementary and middle school.
0: I think it works the other way too is when, like high expectations when you have right. sometimes when people set like very very high expectations or they expect certain things mm-hmm. of certain people I agree with that um, then that's also when right. things start to falter I think yeah. it's, there's a lot of things that are happening especially with college admissions mm-hmm. I think there are some colleges that aren't as inclusive or they aren't as open-minded to all of these to different people with different backgrounds and perspectives and uh, that's a lot of how people view when kids when they want to go to college they're mm-hmm. like oh I don't have all like I should be I am this way I'm a Mm -hmm. girl I have to work a lot harder Mm -hmm. I have to make sure my grades are really really high and even though that may not be the case for certain college I think there that has a lot to do with how people also de- view themselves and how what they expect of themselves mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. don't sometimes people are raised in a society where if they have low expectations if people have low expectations of them they have low expectations absolutely, of themselves. absolutely. they don't expect they're like oh yeah. you know i'm just that black kid or i absolutely. just have to i don't have sure. to do anything sure. you know absolutely that's not, I'm not I, I remember my
1: when my oldest son was in um he was going to i won't even say the high school but he was going to high school here and the, the uh, he was in p.e class and the the, the football coach uh, came through and he and he watched my son like do push-ups and stuff like that and and then for a good month you know he would come into the PE class and watch him and he was trying to recruit him on the football team well if you if you talk to him for one second like this kid had no interest in football whatsoever right just none um you know he was you know doing aeronautics and wanted to go to school and study engineering and 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 I thought hmm, did he did he spend any time talking to my son because you know or did he, just, did he just watch him and I thought you know go over there and talk to them and and so uh he did and and my you know, I Sean, I said to him, I said, what, what, why did he think? And he and he looked at me and he was like, well, I, I think I know why. And I said, OK. But it wasn't because, I mean, maybe you can do a push-up, But listen, this is not a kid that would, would want to be nor should have been on the football team. So he was, you know, he was he was being given attention for for what someone believed would, would be his athletic prowess, while at the same time um, not being um pushed his heart for his academic gifts and being told that, you know, that how is he in this this A P class or how is he in this honors class? And it's like this this kid has been a math and science kid his whole life. And so, you know, why is that not the focus? And uh, and you know, we fixed that. And he, like I said he came out of school with an advanced degree in National Honor Society and all that. Um but but you really have to stay involved to make sure your kid is being seen for who they are.
0: Yeah, and I can kind of relate <laughs> to that I'm the opposite way. I excel really in much in academics but I also, I like run track and right. I, I really like sports like that too. And people don't really expect as much, like, oh, she's like the smart person. Oh, she knows yeah. what she's doing in school. She has a really high GPA. She's yeah. whatever. She's probably like, they don't, I feel like we don't have this ability to kind of see people as being multiple things. Right. I think mul-
1: it is. Mul- multi m- uh, talented. Yeah. We and can i be multi talented, um, multi faceted.
0: Like human nature itself is to believe that s- things, everyone has a category. Sure. And then I think that's a really big thing, especially in school, right. to categorize someone as something the smart, these right. I- the the band kids you know Um, and I think that's a really natural way of thinking and then I think and that goes goes back to
1: relationships yeah that goes back to relationships and the communication and to talking and the asking questions and and that type of thing and also being able to say I don't know what I don't know and trying to learn some things that are different
0: and I think that's something that a lot of people have to learn especially people in young and old people and Mm -hmm. older people in the society and in the county have to learn kind of how to change adjust I think the younger generations are doing a lot better with that Mm -hmm. trying to adjust to perspectives and diversity. And- I think you
1: are too actually and I you know uh, um, I I see not, not total, but so much more acceptance um, for your generation and you are formerly known as Generation Z. Um, and I was reading the evidence, cause I, was, I, I gave a speech before young people and I was reading the difference between Generation Z and millennials and it was fascinating. And it was, you know, you're at an age, um, people born after 96, at 96 and after Generation Z, much more accepting, much less focused on um, building wealth as you, um, you you're more, much more focused on building relationships much more focused on the environment and so there is there there's a a there was of course a, a very large shift between baby boomers um, and and then there was my generation and then it was the Millennials and now the the Millennials to generation Z seems to be also a big shift and that generation Z is a lot more focused on social issues than just let's make money so it's really an interesting um, it's an interesting discussion and I think I think a lot of that may have come because of because of um, you know the the internet you all your age grew up completely with the internet i mean you never have known a, a world where you could not chat with somebody who lives you know in another, on another continent literally mm-hmm. so it, it's opened up relationships and experiences for you that i did not that i didn't have when i was growing up and so it's really interesting and it's also why i love talking to young people
0: the way that now we are so much more connected especially mm-hmm. through the internet and through social media and connecting with people who we don't even we've never seen never before. seen but i think that also helps break down some of these like mm-hmm. barriers between social groups or classes or anything or races especially through like, the internet where there's no there's no like color like, you can't when you're talking to someone for example like on Instagram if you're like DMing someone or texting someone over the internet you're not looking at that person you're not seeing their other circumstances mm-hmm. I don't I think that that helps people to just more connect with the actual person mm-hmm. than everything that comes along with yeah, them I agree. so I think that's yeah. really good so what is your feelings about the contrast of opportunity in LCPS schools especially in elementary school
1: when I first arrived in Loudoun County, um, before I ever had kids, I wanted to be involved in schools. And so I um, decided to do um, reading with um, elementary girls. And I called around to say, like, where where can I do this? And I landed at Sterling Elementary School and did a reading program with third graders. Um, we had a lunch reading program. I me- remember the very first book I ever read with them was a book called Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. Um, if, if you've not read it, you should pick it up and read it. So, you know, the, the truth is um, Loudoun has a good school system. And I don't believe that um, the school administration wants to see any students, they want want to see, I believe the school administration wants to see every student achieve and every student succeed. But just as anything else, anywhere else, there are inequities in our school system. Um, A lot of, um, well, not a lot, but we do have schools um, in, especially the Sterling area, we have more um, Title I schools where we have a a higher number of kids who um, may have some economic issues. And um, I was the chair of the Minority Student Achievement Advisory Committee from 2008 to uh, end of 2010 and it's a fascinating ex- experience to do that because I I commissioned the first study on grades and uh, standardized tests and all those types of things just to see where our kids were falling and what was happening. And what I, what we found was fairly fascinating when we got the test scores back because we were pretty sure that the kids with some of the lower test scores would be kids who were English as a second language children. And actually that wasn't true. The kids who had the lowest test scores by a good little margin were kids who did not have stable family lives our kids who um, may have not may have been homeless or may have been doing some couch surfing or had recently got on uh, one of our free and reduced lunch schedules not because they weren't able but because if you are not sure where you're going to sleep that night, if you are not sure um, what your meal is going to be that evening, if you are not you know not sure um, if you're gonna have even adequate clothing to wear to school that week then you're not going to be quite as focused on your algebra test. It's just not going to be that important. And so making sure that um, every person in Loudoun County has the opportunity to be financially okay, to eat, literally to eat. Um, to have some place to live is, as a, as the chair of the county, something that has that has been very important to me. Putting more effort into our nonprofit community to make sure that they have a larger reach, so that they can reach families. You know, making sure people know that although we are a county with a very high median income, we do have poverty in our county, and we do have need, and it sits in pockets, and it's not just in eastern Loudoun County. We have pockets in need in western Loudoun County also, because you know hunger, <laughs> hunger and homelessness, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how bright you are. It doesn't matter, you know, the color of your skin or, or, or what your culture is, or what your faith is. If you are hungry, you're just not going to perform well. Or if you are undernourished, you're just not going to perform well. And so the the inequity um, we see sometimes is the inequity of not opportunities, but if the kids themselves are okay. When I was over a school in Sterling, I spoke at, I spoke before this uh, school, it was a middle school, I don't know, about nine months ago, And as I'm walking in, there is on the table, stacked high, bread. And I said, what's all this bread for? And they said, well, I think it was Panera bread donates the bread to the school that, that's not being used. And I thought, that's a lot of bread. As I'm walking out, the school's let out and so parents are coming to get their students and the bread was all gone. And I thought, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is Loudoun County and there are people who have come to the school, pick up their child, and pick up some bread for the evening. And um, every every day we send kids home with um, with, with backpacks from the school, from the school with lunches um, for the evening and weekend, or poop for the evening and weekend. And we don't realize that. We don't realize that we have need in our county, and that if we don't address the need, you know, everything else falls off. You just, you, it just, it just does not matter how bright your kid is if they're hungry. And so, um, so again, the school system runs the school system. But as, as the chair of the county, I have worked really hard to make sure that people who are not making the median income in Loudoun County are seen and we know that there is there is that they're a need. When we had the federal government shutdown, the board put in place putting more money into our um food pantries just to make sure everyone had food. I later on talked to our, our food pantries and I and I asked, was there an increase in people who came to came to get food? And I thought she would say, Yeah, you know, something between a half a percent to maybe three percent of an increase. There's a seven percent increase. And these people who have jobs, right? They have jobs. But with, when they weren't getting paid they're living paycheck to paycheck and they needed to access the food pantries to get food because they weren't getting paycheck and their their paychecks weren't letting them even float for one more paycheck or two more paychecks and so that's a long answer but for me it is making sure that people have the basic needs and if you give kids the basic needs they're going to do better in school.
0: Yeah, and I I agree. I see within like my actual school and looking at people in my grade and everything. There are people who take off school. They skip school with something to go to a job or to do other things. Or a lot of them even now are like resorting to other not so good methods um, of just trying to get money or just trying to get food or just trying to survive. We have a need in our county.
1: We do. We have a need in our county. And we make a mistake when we say we're the richest county in the country. We're not the richest county in the country. We're the county in the country with the highest median income. And that's a big difference because income, is what you live on. It comes in and goes out and comes in and goes out. You have wealth. Wealth is, wealth sits there. Income is what you what you conduct your life with. And so I um I always make sure people, you know, restate that when they say we're the richest county in the country because that's just that's not a factually correct statement.
0: And I think they would definitely <laughs> see that with um smaller schools and other students. There's like groups of the like near the school that I go to Dominion. Mm-hmm. There are communities who live near the school. Like it's literally in the small community you can tell exactly which neighborhoods are where there's <laughs> they're struggling mm-hmm. more and that's definitely not going to stay true to that statement and people are always confused they're like oh we're like the richest county ever no, yeah, and that's not that's uh, not
1: true, <laughs> not true at all. i'm going to give um i'm going to give a little bit of a shout out to a there's a nonprofit called all ages read together and i i went over to one of their uh, reading classes the other day and i found out that there are about 900 kids in loudon county who enter kindergarten every year having never done preschool because they fall into this gap where the parents can't afford preschool but they don't make enough money for preschool to be covered by any other means, and a lot of these kids have never had their own library of books in their homes. So they walk into a kindergarten having, you know, being significantly behind. I think I think it was 19 months behind, which is a long, which is a lot when you're five years old. 19 months is a big chunk of your life. They're they're a little counterparts because they haven't been they haven't gone to school or had school, and so when you think about that, you think 900 kids. That's a lot of kids in our county, and so. Uh, uh, all ages read together they recently had a readathon, and I will say um, our faith community um, really stepped up to help us um, collect books and give books so that those those little people could have their own libraries in their own in their in their homes and the day we did that the day that um, there's a church in in Christchurch in Luckett's co- collected like 600 books all by themselves and the day that we handed those kids books and said this is yours to take it was such a marvelous marvelous moment for these little people to go like, these are mine? And then they all went home with like five books apiece. And so um, we we definitely have need in Loudoun County.
0: And uh, the Loudoun Literacy Council mm-hmm. also helps with uh, efforts do. like that, um, increasing literacy in Loudoun mm-hmm. County. That's another big thing that when they're not, when their parents sometimes don't have the capacity right. to either send them to school or to get them to read at home, um, a lot of kids are more, especially at a very young young age, if they're not developed in that environment where mm-hmm. it's really encouraging to keep learning, keep reading at home. They don't develop any of those kind of skills. And, d-
1: and if you're not reading, everything else is going to fall off. I mean, you have, you have to be able to read. You, you, you can't even do math if you can't read, you know. You have to be able to read. Um, So everything else falls off if you're not reading and and you don't have a whole lot of time to make that up you know, because when you get in public school you, you can only spend some, a teacher can only spend so much time with with the kid who's kindergarten re- reading at the second grade level and the kid who's a kindergarten who's 19 months behind. That's hard for a teacher to do to 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 be able to teach to all those different needs and so they don't have that much time to, to help them make up and so you know you know all they just read together does a great job of trying to uh, twice a week uh, get those kids into a, a program but even that's only twice a week for an hour and a half so it's three hours a week which is not very much for uh, kids to it who are learning how to how to read and ha- don't have that at home.
0: Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you to Chair Randall for meeting with me. Again, if you haven't checked out the first part of our conversation, make sure you do that on dhspress.com. My name is Sanal. This has been The Discourse, and I'll see you guys next time.